Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the full ride. The full ride on the Chase Thomas podcast. Right. I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am a University of North Georgia alumni. And that guy over there in Decula, Georgia, Matt Green, also a University of North Georgia alumni. Good sir, how are you? Good evening, sir. Yeah, for the uh, for the podcast listeners, they might not realize rocking the same hoodie as last week, you know. Yeah. But repping, repping my colors. But um, I w- I was been looking for my North Georgia hoodie. You know you have that one? uh, you know that like that college that typical like college hat that's like it's got the the ver- the horizontal lines yes. above and below, and it's like yes. UGA. Those kind mm-hmm. of things. I have it's like that font, like UNG across the chest, just okay. a classic. That's a what classic I have. But a crew neck. Yeah. I don't yeah. have a hoodie. I have the crew neck blue one. Yeah, um, can't find it. So I'm disappointed about that. But um, it's yeah. somewhere in there. You got to go look it. somewhere for sure. But you know what UNG did? They like moved over their bookstore. So all the stuff they used to have on their thing, it's now on like this other platform. And they have like four things total. So they like everything's gone. Like all the stuff's basically gone. And they have like leggings and uh, like one hat. It's pretty wild. But they lost all their stuff. All the UNG merch that I want to purchase and support my undergraduate alma mater i can't do so ung hit me up um let's get this thing rolling let's fix this stuff i'm trying to give you guys free publicity on this very podcast um i've got the nesbit building naming rights in my like in my crosshairs that's where i'm at so let's just uh make sure that we have a great working relationship going forward because i would hate for that to go a different way go sideways that's not what anybody wants you and matt and everybody um matt how have you been matt like how uh, how's everything going? Uh, Do you have a good week? We talked about your Matthew Stafford stuff, uh, the Rams and the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow, Stafford, and SEC matchup. But yeah, like uh, anything new? Are you are you still spinning, trying to keep up with the transfer portal? Yeah, man. Obviously, uh, I feel like this was technically National Signing Day today. It doesn't feel like it. It's anymore. not that we need to rename it. It's like yeah. Uh, it's like the other signing day now. Yes. <laughs> right. And so it's just such a, like this used to be what first February of yeah. First Wednesday of February every year. This used to be like the date I circled on the calendar. Like I would off ask off work for this yeah. day, you know, but now it's like, well, so much, so much of the hay is in the barn, as they say from early signing day. And I mean, there were still some big guys out there um, today, but, but yeah, so normally this is just such a huge recruiting day and it, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it. No, year. there's nothing on it. Like it, nothing changed. The top 10 basically stayed the same. Tennessee got a gigantic defensive end, Jason Jenkins, three-star edge guy. He's huge, very tall man. Um, but outside of that, nothing really to write home about. Georgia got another running back. I will. Okay. So this is bothering me. Like I saw this today, like the RBU stuff. So Todd Gurley got involved today <laughs> and like, I'm seeing a lot of RBU for the university of Georgia. Um, there was this guy. He was great. He was a great running back. Um, I watched him. He looked like he could be Nick Chubb 2.0. He was nowhere to be seen this past year. Georgia lit like, I don't know if you were watching a lot of Georgia football this year. It wasn't like this was RBU. No, you, you want to go watch some RBU. You go to, you go three, three, uh, three hours upstate into the East Tennessee area. You see Tion Evans averaging almost 10 yards. The University here. of Tennessee is number 12 in rushing offense this year. Georgia was like 36th. What are we doing? Like, and you have too many mouths to feed already. Our, the problem with RBU at the University of Georgia, and he's like, if you don't want it, like, that's where you should go. It's like, no, you shouldn't. What are you talking about? There's nowhere to play. Like, you're buried on the depth chart. Like, Kendall Milton would start and flourish 
and all kinds of other universities right now. If you're a great running back, you do not want to go there right now. It's too crowded. You want to go somewhere, go back up Jabari Small in Knoxville. Go average 8.4 yards per carry. Go where running backs blossom. You want to play in that offense where the first quarter is your oasis. That's where you want to go if you're a recruit. You want to live in that moment where you're like, we're going to get the game started right. We're just going to blow out Mizzou in the first seven minutes of a football game. That's what you want. That's what you want if you're a Southeastern recruit. You want to be in that orange and white, and you want to be the next Alvin Kamara. So if we're going RBU, can you at least get in the top 10 in rushing offense next year? Can we do that, Matt? Oh, wow. This this is one season. First of all, with Kendall Milton, Kendall Milton had like multiple injuries. Multiple injuries this year and last year that kind of like sidelined him, kind of hampered him. Because I feel like Kendall Milton, too, he looks like he's – he like you say he's got some girly, some chub in him. Yeah. Like he's he's a beast. But George has been running back you for a while. This isn't like a new oh, no. thing. Oh, like no. I mean, it started with Herschel Walker, like back in the day. But yeah, it's the reason it's still RBU because I think you touched on something about too many mouths to feed. That whole that see is it? Do you want to be a great college running back or do you want to be a great all time running back? Period. And I, that was something I remember hearing James Cook and James Cook's mom talk about when he was getting recruited, that Kirby sells this vision of, yeah, you're going to, we're going to show, you know, show your talents, showcase your, what you can do, but we're also not going to put all kinds of mileage on you where you're, you're done by the time you're in the NFL. Like that was a legitimate selling point that the fact that Zamir White was already committed to Georgia, that James Cook, like he could come in and be part of a duo. So that's that is literally something that Georgia pitches. And if you look at all the offenses in college football today, I mean, how many of them are still really dedicated to running the ball? Like Tennessee goes up tempo, but it's a lot of passing. And there, as far as the up tempo goes, Tennessee is is pretty balanced as far as that goes. But I mean. Like Alabama, like, yeah, they probably produce as many running backs as as Georgia, but like they produce as many everything as everybody. You know, it's like you, they can't be running back you because they're everything you. Like they're, they're wide receiver. They're you, wide man. receiver you. They're quarterback yeah. you. They're defensive, defensive line, line you. you. They're yeah. quarterback you, right? It's yeah. like, it's basically everything. So you can't really, they're kind of like Miami was back in the day. Like Miami's produce, like that that run right there producing, who was Edgerin James? Clinton Portis, Clinton Portis, Willis McGahee, Frank Gore, just back to back to back to back. Like, that's absurd. But at that point, Miami was also everything you just producing just yeah. pro bowlers at every position. So I think Wisconsin probably has as good of a say as it. I mean, you got who? Melvin Gordon. You got Ron Dane, Jonathan Taylor. Melvin. Uh, I'm forgetting. Uh, Monty uh, Ball. Melvin Gordon. Yeah. So there's a Monty few. That, but like Georgia's, it's pretty deep. Like you start with Herschel if you're going way back like Garrison Hurst Terrell Davis like that's an NFL Hall of Famer right there like and then I think even Robert wow, Edwards, not Musa Smith what did Rodney Hampton Rodney Hampton and Robert Edwards were good they're why why did Musa Smith deserve that kind of slander why, why Musa did Musa Smith never- was solid but he wasn't exciting I think the running back wow. you thing I think no Sean no Sean reignited the running back you like he was truly like the best running back in college football and then you had Gurley even Isaiah Crowell, like number one running back in the country, obviously didn't pan out at Georgia. But like then you had Gurley. I think Crowell and Marshall because he brought too. the puppy onto the podium. Without a doubt. And it was it was like what Crowell represented too. Like that yeah. was 
that was a bad yeah that was coming off mark rick's only losing season with the whole Mm -hmm. dream team class and you're able to get this five-star number one running back like that was a big deal but but since since then you've had Gurley, you've had chubb michelle deandre swift has looked good in two years in the nfl like even zamir white and james cook like they didn't have like great stats but Georgia is still committed. It's it's Georgia's philosophy that I think still makes them running back you that they're going to get the running back involved in the offense. They're going to be a balanced attack that runs the ball that you're seeing that more and more of that go away that you have to have this quarterback that throws it 40 times a game to win in college football. And Georgia has been one of the few pushbacks on that. And that's actually been able to achieve at the highest level too, by kind of playing that more traditional style of defense and running the football. I hate it. So we'll put a pin <laughs> in it. <laughs> but yeah, and today, so in there, yeah. Branton Robinson um, yeah. already committed as a top like five running back in the country. Mm-hmm. And and then Andrew Paul. Uh, yeah, it's a double George first name situation. And honestly, with when it comes to Georgia, it seems like whenever they bring in a duo like that, the, the guy that's not ranked as high, more times than not, it seems to be the better player. So who knows? Andrew Paul's a three star, but like, Georgia's got a strong history and Kirby smart of like the three star in the class, potentially being the best one out there, the Jordan Davis or Eric Stokes of the world. Like they've, they've hit on a lot of those three stars. Yeah. Uh, the rich get richer. Um, I would like another running back because not uh, having Tion Evans in my life and just uh, Jabari small was not someone who uh, seems like he can handle a number one workload. Very good player, but he, we need a rotation up here in Knoxville and we'll see. Uh, what happens there still some some pieces to be decided but um, as much as people would like for me to get into the minutiae of the Tennessee depth <laughs> chart heading into the spring we'll we'll move we on get some, we got some time for that we do we do and speaking of we should mention at the top of this podcast so we're gonna start um front of the pod late kicks Josh Pate does really great work at CBS he's doing a temperature check for different programs every week and it's really good stuff and I was thinking for our own perspective uh, doing our own full perspective because we have the full ride here let's just do the full perspective the full monty if you will on uh every sec program starting with the worst to best so you're not going to believe this matt green so i i, I thought about putting south carolina We're do here. tennessee on the first day is that we they didn't deserve that kind of stray. <laughs> um no south carolina though we could start there just to ruffle some more feathers some game co- game cock feathers there but no, we'll we'll get to them. Uh, the frauds up there in Columbia, South Carolina. I, I feel bad. Like they're good fans, and it's a good atmosphere. I, I don't want to pick on you, South Carolina fans. It's not your fault. It's the no, it's people like fault. to hate on the um the oh man, why did I just why did I just lose it? The storm, sandstorm. People like to yeah. hate on that. I feel like as an opposing fan, I feel like they that place gets hype when they play sand. Best is still Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech nails it with Sandman. That is still. That's cool. I feel like you, I've never been in the stadium for that. So, I mean, I guess I've never been in the stadium for South Carolina either. Yeah. I don't know how this, the stadium doesn't seem as electric. Like the one time I saw it on like a I don't Thursday know, man. night. Yeah. The one time I saw it on like a Thursday night when they were going like backstage, the backstage mm-hmm. in the like end of the tunnel. I knew what you're everything. talking about. Was that against Rutgers or like? I can't remember, Global? but, but yeah, they did like the whole, like the whole intro in the broadcast and like mm-hmm. that got me hyped. But like, the actual crowd just waving the towels and everything on Sandstorm, like that place gets loud for sure. Hmm. If there's a time for some electronic music to get the people going, it's a it's a Saturday fo- college football game. 
And it's a good reminder. That's the best part about college football is the actual home atmospheres and what schools do to make it fun. Not uh, the Charlotte Belk Bowl uh, for a non-conference game. Uh, <laughs> it turns out going to the actual university's sites is the, the better way to go. Even if that means this billion dollar industry does not get as much money as they could. You're not going to believe that, but that's how that could work. Um, also broke tonight. So Michigan, it looks like they're going to keep Jim Harbaugh for at least one more year, Matt. Um, I, we talked about this a little bit. Um, we'll peel behind the court curtain a little bit, but there were some technical difficulties. So we got a little bit into this before we had to restart here. But um, your perspective on Jim Harbaugh returning from Michigan for at least one more year, because from my perspective, Matt, is like if I'm a Michigan fan, I'm happy because I don't think they could have gotten a better alternative this late in the process. Like, I don't think a lot of coaches are dipping out uh, in early February to take on this job right now. Cause I think there'd be a mass exodus in the portal and all this kind of stuff, but also school just started. So a lot of kids are in, so I don't know how that would work. I guess they would just dip out after the spring semester, but um, I don't know. I just, you kind of want to just get through one more year, but also you're like, man, this kind of blows that we just made the playoff. And now it just seems like, harbaugh realized something that we should all now realize which is i can't get enough four and five stars to run the gauntlet and win a national title here at michigan like that's just probably not in the cards and i like that's the biggest reason i can think of for harbaugh to really want to go to the nfl because he's got a great thing at his alma mater he beat ohio state things are great the only thing i can think about as to why he would want to chase the nfl again now after his best season his best season in Ann Arbor is that he realized something in that Georgia game, like something clicked where he's like, man, I, it, we're not close. I thought we were getting close, but we are not in the same ballpark as a lot of these premier SEC schools. And that probably weighed on him. But what is your perspective on Harbaugh returning and what this means for Michigan? Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said, because like Jim Harbaugh coming back, he's a really good coach. So if he's saying like, I'm going to come back and continue to coach Michigan, that's obviously a good thing if you're a Michigan fan, but at the same time, like you do got you do have to wonder what the ceiling is on this program. And like Jim Harbaugh didn't leave this year, but you know the NFL is still there next year, the year after. Like you don't necessarily know that. Okay, he's actually doesn't want to coach in the NFL. He wants to stay here for the long haul. Like he's just, it makes it seem like oh. Maybe he didn't get the contract he wanted in the NFL. Maybe he didn't have the the perfect situation that had everything he wanted. And so now he's just going to come back to Michigan. And if you finish top 10 and you have a top 10 recruiting class, it's obviously a good thing. The one thing I'm disappointed about is from like our perspective of like more to talk about, because I feel like this was going to be like a real eye opener on like how big time is Michigan, right? Like we talked to last week, like, they're a top 10 program. Like they're, they're a blue blood program, right? Number one, all time in wins in the history of the sport. Like they have one national championship in like the last like 60 years, right? Like it's, this isn't necessarily the program they kind of think they are. And so when you had Harbaugh, who, who would be a coach that's like leaving a good, leaving a program well, right? Like this isn't, this isn't Derek Dooley leaving Tennessee that someone has to come pick up the pieces. You know, it's, Michigan is in a good spot right now. So they, they have like a, a, a good a good positioning on getting their next head coach. So I was just really curious on who who the names are because you saw like um, I'm blanking on the 
offensive coordinator. Uh, Josh Gaddis. Josh Gaddis. And you've seen Mike Hart's name thrown out there because they always have this whole Michigan Jay Harbaugh because there's endless amounts of Harbaugh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I saw like Matt Campbell and like a couple PJ Fleck yeah. kind of names thrown around there. I think Matt Rule too. Yeah. Um, so it was like really interesting, going to be really interesting to see like, do they go the Billy Napier route where, yeah, maybe the whole fan base doesn't necessarily know him, but trust me, he's a good coach and we'll, we'll figure that out long term. Or do we get like a sexy name because we're Michigan, you know, we're this big time blue blood program. So from that perspective, like I'm disappointed we didn't get to see where it went, but I mean, there's always next year because Harbaugh could be bouncing right uh, after that. But I, I feel like my perspective when we talked about this initially was people being like kind of what you said. If, if I, if I'm, if this is my best team ever at Michigan, I'm getting blasted by Georgia and it was, what was it? 30, 34 to 11 or something. And it wasn't your team. Even, what do you mean? Why are you really asking me? Close. Why are you asking me, Mac? I know they had team. 11. I can't remember exactly how many Georgia had, but it was like yeah. 34 to 11, I think. And, and yeah. that was with like a last minute touchdown too, like how mm-hmm. most of Georgia's games went in 2021. And so it was like Leave Tennessee out of this. <laughs> they didn't have a like a, a transcendent talent. This wasn't as just Deshaun Watson Michigan team or something like. Oh well, we had we just had this number one overall pick. I guess Deshaun Watson wasn't number one overall pick, but you know what I mean. Like we didn't have this all time great quarterback, and we can't even win with him. It was like, yeah, you might not be able to get another defense that was this good with some of these elite prospects like Hutchinson, but a, a Cade McNamara, like you can get a, a quarterback a lot better than Cade McNamara. So it's like, if he gets his guy and maybe JJ McCarthy is that who knows, but it's like, if they, if they truly have their year of like, Oh wow, Michigan looks great all year. And they like smoke Ohio state or something. Like if they actually have kind of the preseason hype, they show it all year. And then you get blasted by that team in the, in the semis, it feels a little different, but it's not like you really expected Michigan to be in the college football playoff before 2021 started. So you can't get blasted in the, in the semifinals and, and come away from the season thinking it was some sort of failure. Like it was an amazing season for Michigan. So I, I, any, any Michigan fan that's like disappointed, like, I mean, I guess I, I see, you don't know like the, the long-term future of your head coach, but it's, it's definitely good that Harbaugh is back. It's, it's, it's better than just, an absolute mystery box of who you're going to get. Well, it's also like what we talked about where it's like, I don't think the Michigan job is as great as maybe Michigan fans think it is. Like it's a top 10 job, but like, like you said, I think you it said last week, is. it was like Luke Fickle, would he prefer to stay at Cincinnati over that? And it's like, they're moving the big 12 and he just made the playoff at Cincinnati. Um, why leave? Um, if you're Dave Aranda and you're at Baylor, you're like, I think I can get enough players to get Baylor into the playoff. Like, if we stay in the Big Twelve, like we can make the playoffs. If you're they Dave Miranda, do you, if Michigan is knocking at your door, are you taking that and say Michigan's knocking at your door for like three, four million dollars more a year or something? No, I'm waiting out for an SEC job, like a premier one. If I'm Dave Miranda, if I leave Baylor, it's for either Texas, A and M, LSU. That's maybe it. Yeah, Baylor. Baylor's in a very interesting uh, situation right now too, because oh Auburn, I would throw Auburn in there. Like if Auburn called, because we can, we're going to talk about the the situation where Brian Harson, our coordinator, hires. Then I think he has victories at uh, Auburn. <laughs> Auburn, yeah, Auburn's one of those diff- really difficult spots to rank yeah. because of the challenges with just playing Alabama and Auburn every year, or playing Alabama and Georgia every year. But yeah. But Baylor's in an interesting position with Oklahoma and Texas leaving. Like you may have just become 
the juggernaut in a conference yes. and that job located where it is in the talent bed of Texas. They've got money. It's, yeah. It's uh, I, I can understand that. that yeah. Uh, that point. And whenever he's like tempted to leave, he can just hit up the gains and be like, Hey, Magnolia network. I need y'all to step up here. I need uh if y'all want me to keep winning the big 12 <laughs> and getting us in the playoff conversation, I'm going to need a fixer upper uh on this property just keep fixing get up a, get them a great open concept you yeah know? <laughs> <laughs> like the lincoln riley thing of just like you're buying my house above value to get me out of here what he's like is like no i don't want you to buy my house i just want you to keep expanding to my property i just want you to like eventually dave aranda's property and his entire home is just wrapping around all of waco and it's just the gains and aranda it's family. just its own hgtv show just yeah. what the latest they're doing to dave aranda's house to that would a recruiting a lounge thing. That would, we just pitched a great show idea for a new network, the Magnolia Network. My mom loves Joanna Gaines. And like Wait, that would that be his a, own network. Is that her network? Their network. Yeah. They just started oh, uh, the Magnolia. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love Chip and Joanna Gaines? It's hard not to like them. They seem like nice people. And they got a, a lot of property. That's how you know you're getting old, though. When you're like, oh, the hometown folks and uh, uh, Fixer Upper. It's like, that's nice. What a nice thing. Let's go see <laughs> what we could do for our house. Um, not Matt Green because he still pays elderly men to cut his uh cut his grass. Hey, Bernie does that the kindness of his own heart, sir. Yeah, he's you know I, I won't stop him. I appreciate it. True or false? Jim Harbaugh is the head coach of the University of Michigan this time next year. True. Okay, I think true too because I think the other part of this is that he also understood, and I bet you his agent. I mean, I don't know. He got an agent again. He was like representing himself last year. I'm kind of <laughs> confused what's going on with him and his agent. And donated his bonus to charity and right. stuff. Yeah, I don't really know what's going on there. He's just a different cat. Like Jim Harbaugh is a different cat, which is okay. But I just, I think the, he's never going to have as high stock for the NFL as he did this past year. Because I think Ohio State's beating him next year. They're better. They hired a, they hired the Oklahoma State D.C., they're loaded all across the board. Ohio State's not losing back to back to Michigan. So they're not getting back into the playoff. And the idea that they're getting back into the playoff anytime soon, we'll see. But a lot had to go right for Michigan to make the playoff this year. So I just don't think that's a possibility. So I think it's that's true, and including the snow against yes. Ohio State. Right. That probably didn't hurt. But I don't know if I would say because this isn't like this isn't Lincoln Riley or this isn't uh who am I else trying to think of this isn't a guy who hasn't coached in the NFL like he seems like he could come off two disappointing Michigan seasons in a row and it's you know he can coach football like maybe he can't recruit maybe he can't do what's needed to be done to be successful in college but he can but no but I'm saying like maybe that's the the feeling on him if we're if we're coming if Two years from now, we're talking about an eight and four Michigan and a seven and five Michigan season or yeah. something. And they're down to like 12 or 13 in recruiting. Yeah, like, or even worse than that. Yeah. But it's, it's the NFL, teams in the NFL have still seen him coach in the NFL. So they know he can do that. And so it's not necessarily like a, another guy who, a, a Luke Fickle or something who he needs to cash in while his name is, you know, as, as high, as hot as it, as hot as it is because he's, hasn't proven to be an NFL coach. I think Harbaugh could could have a couple bad seasons at Michigan and still still get an NFL an NFL job. Like we saw Cliff Kingsbury get an NFL job true. after what he did at Texas Tech. That's true. Um but we'll see. We'll see. I don't know if teams will want to do it. It's kind of like the McDaniels thing 
where I don't know if teams want to just like spend a bunch of time trying to court Jim Harbaugh when he just did this, where he just got to the finish line and pulled back ostensibly in Minnesota, where I'm like, I think a lot of teams might be like, we're not going to waste our time. Like, yeah, he'd be good here, but I don't think he's serious about it. Or I don't want to do a song. I don't want to do a whole back and forth with Jim Harbaugh about whether or not he's leaving. I think we're good. We'll move past it, but We'll see. We'll see what happens uh, with Michigan. But at the very least, they're going to be a really good football team next year. And uh, we'll see. Um, have you been keeping up with what's going on with Herm Edwards at Arizona State, Matt Green? Yeah, it's hard to, but it's not great. Antonio Pierce out. Like they have. No- have you seen the recruiting? They recruited nobody. There is nobody in this class. I want to pull up. Their yeah, recruiting. they're currently uh, 105th in, re- in recruiting rate. Nine commits. So, you know, when you're on the 24-7 team rankings and you have to go scroll down and click that load more, (laughs) you have to click that load more button twice to get to Arizona State. (laughs) They give you 50. You got to click load more, go all the way to 100, and you got a little bit more ways to go to find Arizona State, especially coming off a a good season. They have a great quarterback, Jaden Daniels. They were looking okay. Like, they were moving in the right direction. Now, Zach, their OC's gone. He had to resign. He almost got the Auburn job. They didn't go with him because they didn't want to wait to see what happened with the NCAA. Auburn hires Austin Davis. Austin Davis leaves for personal reasons. Like, it is so hard. If you're a casual fan, there's no chance you're going to keep up with all of what's happening in college football on a day-to-day basis anymore. That's gone. But it's good for us because we can do a whole year of content on this very program, even though there's no football happening because college football is now an everyday sport. Um I don't know, man. Like Arizona State is suddenly just in like horrible, horrible waters because like they won't feel this this year, but this is bad. And I don't know how Herm keeps his job after all this. And then you have looming NCAA violations with this one because this is serious and this is bad. And lots of people are kicked off. And like, I don't even know if Zach Hill and Tony Pierce can get other college jobs after this. Like that's going to be tough because both of them are good. Well, Mm. DJ Durkin found another job. That's true. So... It, it might not be at the level they want, but I, they'll Antonio Pierce, especially like he's got some name. Good recruiter. Uh, yeah, for sure. But he, so. He's going to do the Jeremy Pruitt thing with the value, uh, with the issues. He's just going to pop back up as like a assistant to the assistant defensive line coach or something <laughs> linebackers coach somewhere um, and hide out. But yeah, I don't know. I just, it's kind of sad because Jaden Daniels is a fun quarterback to watch. And Arizona state was a team that looked like they were on the rise in the PAC 12 South. And they were also a team that I think you and I talked about. It's like, there is not a team that's benefited more from USC being down than the good folks over there in Tempe. Cause it's not that far from Southern California. Well, maybe Stanford. Oregon too. Well, Oregon, but like what I'm Oregon's more the Northwest, like Oregon. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's a little bit different. Like I was looking at it as more of like a regional thing. Like it, USC could not match what Tempe was able to do as of late. And they were able to kind of clean up and pick up where, uh, USC missed out on guys that they should not have missed out on because Arizona state was just a better program. They had a lot of NFL guys in there and all that kind of stuff. So there was a lot of momentum with Herm and Antonio Pierce and what they've done. And now that's all gone. This recruiting class is destroyed. I, I don't know, like things could get really bad in a hurry and just, I have an idea, Macarine. What if we just canceled the state of Arizona out of college football for a couple of years, let them get their act together. Jet fish, <laughs> Not going well at Arizona. Arizona, just their history is one of the worst power five jobs of all time. And that's continued to be the case. Uh, turns out bringing in Teddy Bruschi. And do you remember this guy from Arizona past? That's not really working out uh, as of yet. But man, I don't know. Arizona football across the board. 
bad. It's bad, bad state of affairs. And it's so disappointing too, because Arizona State is like they've been like one of those respectable programs, like in our lifetime in the Pac-12. Yeah. Like they they have plenty of seasons where they get ranked. You know the the Jake Plummer years. Andrew you know, Walter. Like, there you go. Like they've had some guys. I think when Georgia went out and played them, and when I remember Stafford's that. junior yeah. year, I think they were actually ranked at that time, like twenty something, maybe. Like who was the quarterback that year? Was that Walter? It had to oh, be Walter. Man. Maybe I. I can't even remember. I remember um, Noshawn had like a crazy dive in that game. Yeah, right? that that highlight reel. Yeah, yeah, where he dove over the 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 goal line. But um, but wouldn't that like game have been better if they played it in like I don't know, uh, SoFi Stadium? Yeah, and uh, in the Cardinals and Phoenix <laughs> University of Phoenix Stadium would have been yeah. way better. Um, but yeah, I I feel like there's been just so much ineptitude in the Pac-12, like since Pete Carroll left. Like obviously you have a couple of good years for Oregon, like getting to that, getting into a couple of national championships. But in Stanford had their run of being like a solid, like a top ten program. You could probably argue there for five six year period. And outside of that, like we remember the days of Colorado being a relevant college football program, of Arizona State being relevant, like UCLA not being a joke of a program, even Oregon State being solid. Like I think Oregon and Oregon State were what preseason number one and number two that one year with Joey Harrington and Ken Simonton. Yeah. Even Washington. I know you're always hyping up Washington Look, on this pod. And I'm just excited that we're getting the Vol Navy versus the, the Husky Navy. Like we're exactly. getting Smokey so, and Hus- the Husky to meet up. Yeah, I'm ready for it. So you know Arizona the State. Guy. Yeah, exactly. And Arizona State seemed like, and even Washington State's had their years, and they were like a terrible yeah. program historically. But um, Arizona Wait, hold State on. seemed Drew Bledsoe? like, hold on, don't, don't. I'm sorry, historically, way before that though. I mean, that was kind of mm-hmm. their pop up, right? Bledsoe yeah. and then Ryan Leaf, but it's a pretty good pop up. That was, and then they, I feel like they had those. Um, they had a quality team. I remember like early 2000s too. Yeah, um, but like Darling, the brother. I think he had a brother that played at Florida State. Um, I can't remember, mm. but what all that I was saying, all that to say, Arizona State was at least one of those teams that appeared to be trending in the right direction. Yeah. Herm Edwards was a big name hire. You've seen like some NFL talent coming in, like you've seen some on field results that could actually excite you. And then with everything they've done off the field, like this program is definitely not trending in the right direction. Like they're, they're going to go right back down probably to the bottom of the pack 12 and it's going to be tough to bounce back. So the pack 12 is what like there would give me hesitation on these people that want automatic bids in the college football playoff. I'm like, I don't know that that conference deserves an automatic bid. Like they can't get their act together. Like, yeah, like I just, exactly. So it's we've seen like Oregon, bad. we've been, begging everyone's been begging oregon to be a powerhouse so we can get a a, a team from the pacific time zone in the college but the answer has been byu they were the pac-12 south champs this past that's, year that's true they've been the best team they've been the most consistent team yes. out there i don't know i i'm curious to see what happens i mean lincoln riley cleaned up and the co- like this week for college coaches opening their mouth um shout out to jimbo fisher and lane kiffin and and company this week. Um, I don't know if you listened to Lang or Jimbo Fisher's pro wrestling uh, news conference he did today. Um, but these coaches are going to get, uh, you can already tell 
there's going to be some coaches who don't handle NIL well because of how the it's going to be received when you do well in recruiting now, where it's like, oh, well, yeah, NIL. So that's why we know the money that's going to these kids. And it's like, hey, our coaching staff does their work. We're flying on the copter to those high school stadiums and we're doing this and we're doing that and we're grinding 24 seven. It's like, all right, man, like calm it down. Like we 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 believe you. You're an SEC power five head coach. Like I believe that you're doing your due diligence. But also, NIL helps. It's okay to say that. Like, it's okay to say that NIL is helping you. Like, that's a Especially cool thing. Especially when he was so quick to joke about it a few yeah. months ago. Like, oh, well, everyone's always been doing it. Now it's just above, above the table. Board. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, well, now that we're, it's above the table, no, we're not even doing that. So we well, just do it with our brands. Our coaches are awesome recruiters. They just connect yeah. with all the kids. It's like, okay, man, whatever. Like, just be happy. It's like the insecurity where I'm like, you just had the number one recruiting class. You're recruiting your tail off. You beat Alabama this past year. Like you should be in the playoff conversation, but like, Hey man, I guess the pressure is a lot, but that kind of stuff, you can miss me with that. But I do love when Lincoln Riley is like, Hey, yeah, like uh transfer portal, we should probably do some stuff in the next couple of years to fix this. Not this year, because I literally just flipped the USC program. I need some guys, right? Yeah. Now. I need some guys before y'all <laughs> fix it. Let me get some Caleb Williams in here uh, before we really dive into fixing the transfer portal. But for right now, this is cool. Like Caleb Williams missed like two weeks of class and it, it worked out for us perfectly. So um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, it's funny that all the coaches agree, but like, the coaches that are benefiting from the portal to this point, they're like, well, yeah, we agree theoretically, like big picture, this stuff needs to change. But uh, Nick Saban's like, however, Eli Ricks, however, Jameer Gibbs. So if y'all want to really do your due diligence and do your homework to make sure we get this right when we fix the portal, if y'all want to take your time, NCAA, competition committee, whoever, like be my guest. I'll just keep killing it the way I have been anyway. So I don't know. It it's interesting. Caleb Williams, like I said, he is officially a USC Trojan. We all expected it. The it turns out the smoke with him going to Wisconsin was all for naught. Um, there was some these, legitimate smoke, though, right? Yeah. I mean, they were. The, it came down to USC or Wisconsin, so they were a yeah. finalist. I guess that's. It's not completely fake. It was. Uh, I would rather not know I was involved. That yeah, would bother true. me if I was a Wisconsin fan. I'd be like, oh, don't tell me that. Don't. I agree with that because you had to, it, it went on for so long. You yeah. had to start like nothing. That's what, literally what we said on this podcast last week. It's like the fact that he didn't just go to USC the week after Lincoln Riley went there, that it made it seem like, well, maybe there is some legitimate talk with Wisconsin. And you know, it was on message boards. Like guys, I feel like if we got Caleb Williams, we got the pieces around <laughs> him. We could win a national title here. Yeah. And uh, Russell Wilson 2.0. They were smelling exactly. roses. There. Yeah, that would bum me out, man. That would be an absolute bummer. Um, And they're like, oh, so we're doing another year. Graham Mertz. That's what we're doing. We just went from Caleb Williams potentially to Graham Mertz again. Uh, boy, man. But there's people that yeah talking themselves into that being okay, too. I mean, Graham Mertz, oh. he came on at the end of the year, you know. Came so on in what got- capacity? <laughs> they weren't Iowa? No, here's what here's what happened down the stretch is Wisconsin remembered, oh, right, hand the ball off to this running back. Let's just do that 30 times a game. And that fixed a lot of Wisconsin's problems. Remember the we RBU didn't, stuff? We didn't need Caleb Williams. He didn't want to come in and compete here. We don't, yeah. we don't want him. That, well, he's... Badger country, Barry Alvarez was like, <laughs> we don't need him. We don't need him. We're good with our Jim Sorties. Um, he's like, do I need to come coach the team again? <laughs> but we mentioned, like, that's a great thing. I think that should be the thing. It's like Tennessee, that once if Heupel ever gets fired... Like Philip Fulmer should be the permanent interim. Like having 
Bob Stoops to be the permanent interim for uh, that one seemed but, to work pretty well. But like Mark Rick is a permanent interim for UGA. That'd be great. Like he's just the interim bowl coach. I don't know. I feel like every program should do this. Uh, I don't fun. think Mark Rick's the guy though. I don't know if I, I don't know Where if Mark going with Jim I don't think he's playing a c- close enough attention anymore. I think I think Mark Rick's just enjoying That's life. That's even better. <laughs> I want a coach who's an interim who just has no clue what's going on. Like, what's your name? Like, I don't know. I, I don't. Who cares? Like, that'd be fun just to throw him into the fire like that for a couple weeks of bowl prep. Um. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, USC, though, we'll. I, I've said we'll see what happens, but they have a lot of new pieces to acclimate. They have a lot of stuff to to do. I don't think they're going to be ready to win the Pac-12 this upcoming year. But I will be curious. Like the USC Utah game, I have circled for this fall. Like Utah USC will probably decide the Pac-12 South. I think Utah brings back enough that they should be favored and should win the Pac-12 South again. But I am curious to see how quickly Lincoln Riley can turn this around because that man was on a mission in the portal, right? Yeah, like I don't know if there's, I don't know how to phrase this. Like I don't know if there's reason to expect USC to win at year one, but like I would not be shocked at all if they won at year one because like we've been talking about the Pac-12, it's just like with all due respect to Utah because they have been, I I don't think we mentioned them honestly the whole time we were talking about the Pac-12 because they've been, a pretty consistent program through the years. And just the way they're built too, is just very incredibly underrated coach. Yeah. I mean, was he been there 16 years or so now? Mm -hmm. Like, so he's 144 and 70 at Utah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's big time. And to go from urban Meyer to Kyle Willingham, like they've had two head coaches in the last 20 years. They've won at least nine games, three of the last four years. They went eight and one the conference twice in the last three years. Like they're just the quiet. Like I feel like a lot of people, if you had to guess who was the most consistent team, they would just throw out Oregon, but it's like, no, it's, it's actually Utah. Yeah, it is. So I don't know. Utah is definitely, but we know about the talent. We know about the talent that USC is capable of getting. And that's just, that's superior to Utah. So Utah is a solid program. They're well built, but a couple extraordinary players like a Caleb Williams, like some of these other guys they've brought over in this recruiting class that were Oklahoma commits. Mm those could make a huge difference. And I wouldn't be surprised if USC won the conference this year. We'll see. Uh, Last thing before we do our full perspective on the Vanderbilt Commodores. Um, It's time for you to enjoy uh, making fun of the Auburn Tigers and the current state of the Auburn Tigers, Matt Green. Uh, They don't have an OC again. Uh, Their OC last year is now an analyst or senior director of made up position at the university of Georgia. um, As the gang gets back together (laughs) in Athens. Um, I don't know. What uh, what do you make of this? Because like the Harson stuff feels like this dude is not long for this job. This is so much turnover so quickly that something... It, clearly, it's not a cultural fit. Clearly, that there's a lot more going on behind the scenes um, than we're privy to. But I, I don't see this marriage lasting much longer. I feel like this was one of those that's interesting because it was like an outside the box hire. They didn't go with a lot of the SEC traditional names, like the Billy Napiers, the world that people were throwing out for Auburn. And uh, they go the other way. They don't keep, they don't promote Kevin Steele who really wanted the job, but man, I, uh, I don't know. Like this is, this is wild. Like Austin days, uh, Davis separate. Uh, he moves on. Uh, he's not going to coach at all this upcoming year uh for personal reasons and i hope all the best for austin davis whatever that may be Um, i hope he takes the time and um is better off for it all that being said i have no like 
Auburn can just, we talked about it last week. Like they're the most mercurial team in the SEC. And I don't know what to make of it. All I know is they're in disarray. And this is not how you establish any kind of credibility. And like the, the Auburn fan base cannot feel good about where the program's going right now. Yeah, that's what's that's what's interesting, right? Is it's it, like it doesn't matter the reasons why things happen. Mm-hmm. If enough of them happen, then then people pick up on a trend. You know, mm-hmm. like one one or two players in your team tear their ACL. Like, yeah, that happens. Four or five players, six players tear their ACL. What are we doing with our strength and conditioning program? <laughs> it's like I don't know. Sometimes guys just tear their ACLs. You know, it's like so. We wanted to kind of jump to conclusions when when Derek Mason left. But, you know, we talked about, well, you know, it was just one year on the staff. You know, maybe they didn't, their personalities didn't, you know, mesh together. He wanted a guy, one of his guys or something like that. Oklahoma State is also a, a really good job. Yeah. So you can't, it's, it's a lateral move for sure. So it raises an eyebrow. And then this to Austin Davis, I mean, he's leaving for personal reasons. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's his personal relationship with Brian Harson that he doesn't want to coach. You know, it could just be another coincidence that's another another guy that just had something going on that he needed to leave the program. But the narrative is already established, right? It's like now there's this feeling that Auburn is a sinking ship, and these coaches are do not want to be a part of it. Essentially, so I don't know that that's the case, but it's it went from. Like, I mean, where were we like nine, nine weeks in? What were they like seven and two or something like mm-hmm. that? Like Auburn was close to the top 10 around the top 10. Like they were having a very good season. And now we're like three, three, four months later. And like, this is, it feels like a, a win and it's not like a win now year, but it's like a prove that you can win period. It's mm-hmm. like, if they, if they have, if they win six games next year, I feel like he's gone. Like, it doesn't feel like he's built up any sort of trust within the program or anything like that. Like, and even an eight-win season, like, year two in the SEC West, like, that should probably be good enough. Like, yeah, you know, this isn't a just win, turn it into a winner overnight. You know, there's a lot of challenges to winning in the SEC West, specifically at Auburn. Like, we haven't even talked about Texas A&M's challenge to Auburn. We only brought up Georgia and Alabama. So Auburn has so many things working against them that it it makes it tough because they also have this kind of win now mentality as well. So I'm I you can't be too confident uh with Brian Harson right now, but I don't know that these this Mason and Austin Davis thing, I don't know if this just means oh Harson's like a terrible guy that nobody wants to work with. Like I think it could be it could be a lot more than that. I think it's just culture, man. I feel like it's just like a he should have stayed on the West Coast like that man. The vibe I get is this man should have waited out for Washington. That is what this man should have done is waited out for the Washington job. Maybe the Oregon job, um, even Southern Cal, like whatever the case may be. It seems like he's more of a West Coast fit. Like the fact that he waited a year and he tried like they basically force fed him like that. Mike Bobo and Derek Mason were his vegetables of like if we're giving you the SEC job. Guess what, sir? You're having two SEC coordinators. You're not bringing in the Pac-12 coordinators as well. We get one Pac-12 head coach, but you still got to eat your vegetables. And uh, Bobo obviously did not go well. He's gone. Um, I think he and Derek Mason were not talking down the stretch uh, this past year. So Mason's now gone and coaching uh, as the DC in Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. I 
I don't know, man. Like the offense w- didn't look great. It wasn't like he fixed because that was part of the thing too. Is that like you brought in the offensive uh, whiz because of what he did with those Boise State quarterbacks over the years and being a quarterback himself. It's like fix Bo Nix. That was his job to come in and fix our five-star quarterback who did not work uh, for a variety of reasons um, with the previous administration. Gus Malzahn. The reason he got ran out of Auburn really is that quarterbacks got worse the longer he was there. Like the longer a quarterback was there, the quarterbacks got worse. Um, and that wears on people, especially when you bill yourself as an offensive guru. Um, now I got like Stidham. He's like still on an NFL roster too, right? It's like, yeah. he, he clearly had some talent and he got, he got worse. I mean, he probably he, could have been in the national title game if they don't play Georgia twice in that time span. If they don't go Georgia, Bama, Georgia in succession, like, I don't know. I think yeah. Auburn probably is a national title team that year. Um, I don't know if they win it, but I think they're in it. Um, carry on. Definitely pretty, possible. He was definitely beat up, and that's like one of those. That was like the reason they split up the series, right? Was ultimately because they had to play uh, those three teams in succession like that. I want to say they're pretty Probably. upset about it. They um, still owe Georgia a home game. That I don't know if you're right. aware of that. Yes. Yeah, they switched the schedule around. Yeah. Um, the year the prayer at Jordan Hare happened too. That game yeah. should have been in Athens. So. Hate to see it. Georgia, um, Auburn still owes Georgia a consecutive home game. All I want is Alabama off the schedule every year. What if uh, we did that? What if uh, that's what happened here in Knoxville, Tennessee? That'd be great. Um, all that being That's said, why though, I wonder, like Georgia-Auburn, that's the, the deep south's oldest rivalry, you know? Mm-hmm. And then Auburn-Alabama, like the Iron Bowl. Like whatever sort of, you know, new divisions, pods, or whatever happened, like Auburn is playing Georgia and Alabama. Like you cannot yeah, get rid of it. those games. Like you just can't. Yeah, it's a high pressure job, but it also I remember at the time where I was like, I think they're overthinking this hire. Like I would just go Bill Clark. Like stop worrying about the sexy name and just looking outside. Like Bill Clark resurrected. Yeah, we had UAB. to get our we had to get our coach from the the school up in Birmingham. Like if yeah. like there's like an ego thing there. But it's like the dude can flat out coach. Everyone when you re- read the polls of like what other coaches like look at as like the best coach who no one talks about, it's Bill Clark. He resurrected a dead program and just it, it's no big deal. Like Bill Clark can coach his tail off and he's in your state. I don't understand that. I thought they overthought that one. That would have been my hire at the time. If I was uh, Auburn also, it looks like their AD is out. I would have gone Lane Kiffin if I was them. I mean, Lane, maybe I just, I don't think Lane's long for an Auburn job. I think he's already, I don't know. I don't know what Lane's yeah. ultimate goal is. I don't think it's, I don't obvious. think anybody does. Right. I think his ultimate goal is just a uh, Boca Raton and retirement and having fun. <laughs> um, they already podcast. left Boca Raton. No, he'll go back is what I'm saying. I think he just, he bounces back. Um, Lane's going to have a podcast or something, or maybe be the next league Corso. I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but he is funny. He's good for content. Lane Kiffin is good for content. Now let's do um, our, well, how about this? We'll end it on this. Brian Harson, the coach of the Auburn Tigers this time next year. Ooh, sure. That's false. a good one. I'm going to say false. I'm going to say false too. I think he gets fired mid-year. I uh, Ooh, see, I, don't I just don't it. like looking at their schedule. Who do they have at a conference this year? Do you know off the top of your head? No, like, but they, I do know that our team they have another because they've been they've been scheduling some um some big time games like the last few years, like the Oregon and we got Penn State Penn again. State. So they do have Penn State at home this year. Mm-hmm. It's like that is not an easy schedule. You have Penn State on top of an SEC West plus Georgia, like. Here's the stretch. It's, it's where he hard gets to see them go doing anything better than seven and five. 
Here's the stretch. I've already got it. It's right here. LSU, Georgia, Ole Miss, Arkansas, at Mississippi State, Texas A&M. That's the stretch that kills him. Yeah, and I mean, even Missouri. Like, yeah. You can't pencil in Missouri as an automatic win right now if you're an Auburn fan. Like Actually, after the Penn State game, like, it I should Penn, be. Yeah, but but yeah, it's so I it, if they if they don't make a bowl game, there's no chance he's the head coach. I think, but even at six and six and seven and five, like maybe maybe people have sense enough to if he goes seven and five, eight and four, maybe with this schedule, you'll see like how truly like just how how great of an accomplishment that really is because this is a this is going to be a loaded schedule Zach i mean i think Lozada we're kind of assuming not bringing nine wins for him like we've no, seen zach Calzada. i don't know man i think this looks like a six and six seven and five schedule to me yeah i think old miss there's a lot of assumptions about old misses next year it's kind of hard jackson to darts in there that solved a lot of their that's problems true. It's that's, very, that's very true um but lsu is also kind of one we're assuming gets a lot better but but yeah, just looking at the schedule, Arkansas, even Mississippi State and, and A&M, like that's going to be tough. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I think we're in agreement, though, that Harson is not. You were true on Harbaugh as well. Yes, I'm true on Harbaugh. Okay, so we're on the same. We're on yeah. the same on both of those. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, let's do our quickly our uh, our full perspective on the Vanderbilt Commodores who open on the road. This is how, you know, a pro, uh, an SEC program's in good shape when you open on the road at Hawaii. Timmy Chang's first football game as head coach of the University of Hawaii, the Rainbow Warriors, um, will be against the Vanderbilt Commodores. Like, I cannot wait for that game. I'm watching it because... No, you're not. Absolutely. (laughs) Because if you go down... Because do you remember what they did last year to open the season? They scored three points on East Tennessee State, where former offensive coordinator legend Randy Sanders was the longtime head coach for those Buccaneers over there in East Tennessee. And look, they're a powerhouse. Don't get me wrong in the FC, FCS level, but Vanderbilt putting up three points in that game, pretty pretty abysmal. They were 128th in uh, scoring offense last year. I was going through the numbers for Vanderbilt, and it it's bad all across the board, man. Like I was looking at, it, I was like, is there any redeeming part of this? And obviously, Ken Seals going down hurt them. They were 104th in uh, passing offense you just go through the list of like i'm like what were they good at well what was vanderbilt good at do you know what they were good at nothing 112th and first downs they were everything i looked at and watching about close for the last game of the year against tennessee everything was hard i i just that was something i just thought about with vanderbilt it's like everything's going to be hard like it sounds cool in theory that they hired the the grit guy in clark lee and like we're not going to target four and five star guys we're going to target the two and three starts and we're develop 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 cool where are the wins coming from who are you beating in this conference especially with the way <laughs> mizzou and south carolina are recruiting florida just solved some problems with uh florida i mean uh with napier you're never going to score enough to beat tennessee where are the wins coming in this conference? Like where, like it sounds good in theory that Barton Simmons is like running the recruiting operations or whatever. Um, he's like the chief of staff with these positions. Like all that he's sounds the cool. GM. I think. Yeah. I think like, that's that, his, his, uh, his title. Sounds great. Guess what? The wins aren't coming. There's no path. Like I was looking at it. I'm like forecasting. I'm like, who in this division is falling off anytime soon to open the door for Vanderbilt? No one. There's no one in this division. Like you can make the case. The East is like the most stable it's been in some time. Like you have Georgia being the cream of the crop. I get that. 
But that's how it was when the SEC West for years was that you had Alabama and then everything else. Like you're just like, man, can any of these teams outside of Bama get their stuff together? The East, most teams do. Kentucky's stable. South Carolina with Beamer, they look like they're going to be stable. Um, Tennessee, stable. Um, Mizzou, top 15 recruiting class. Tennessee looks stabler. I don't know if I can still say Tennessee is stable. With Danny White running things with... That's fair. I they think, look they look a lot more legit right now. I'll, I'll give you that for sure. But also, like, they... Vanderbilt cannot score enough like that like it's a math thing there's gonna be a math problem with Vanderbilt against Tennessee for the next couple years they they cannot win the math problem like it just they cannot um they changed out their OC this offseason but you look at their schedule last year and I was going through it and I'm like well okay Matt like they they played Missouri pretty close 28 37 um lose 17 34 to UK um at on November 13th 31-17 31-17 to Ole Miss, and then obviously Tennessee drops 45 on them. Again, the math problem. Tennessee's going to win games just by a math problem because um, you just can't keep Heupel's offense down that much. Like He's going to score 35 minimum um, against most teams. So, all that being said, where are you at with the Vanderbilt Commodores? Do you see any reason for optimism? Are you a Ken Seals guy? Do you believe in where Clark Lee is taking this program? Is there any reason to buy in that next year will be any better for uh, the Vanderbilt Commodores? Um, I really don't think you can, honestly. Like, it's just, it's Vanderbilt. Like, it's no, like, without even trying to disrespect them, like, they just, it doesn't even feel like they want to be good at football, right? Like, in the schedule, like, at Hawaii, like, that should be an automatic win, is it? I don't even really know. Like, Elon, week two? that should be a win. Um, but then you got Wake Forest and Northern Illinois. Like why are they playing? You're not winning. The fact that they're playing games. Northern Illinois at Northern Illinois in Husky stadium in DeKalb, <laughs> Illinois. Although I think they say DeKalb. Do they uh, really? Is that not a ca- they don't say DeKalb. Yeah. Cause Tori gave me a really hard time about saying DeKalb County. I was, she's like, why? there's an L in this word. Like, cause that's just how we say it in Georgia, but well, no, hold is on. A- is she from Chicago? She's from Illinois, yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. And yeah. they say DeCab or DeCalb. Is it DeCalb? Okay, that doesn't even sound I mean, right. It, I it is what the word looks like. But yeah. um, but yeah, it's like I would pencil in those as losses. So with Vanderbilt, like, I don't Dude, know. They have a three-game stretch in late September to October. They got at Alabama, Old Miss at home, and at Georgia. <laughs> at least they got a bye week sprinkled in. That, that'll make a difference. But like they got Wake at Northern Illinois, Bama, Ole Miss, Georgia. That's six. I mean, what is that? Five straight losses at Mizzou. Probably not like that's six straight. And then you're just the South Carolina game is going to define the season. Because like, you, didn't you mention last week? It just seems like South Carolina always plays Vanderbilt close. And I think they yeah. won like a point this past year. Like that's probably it. Yeah, that's like. Like South Carolina wants to think they're clearly better than Vanderbilt, but they like they, they do play some 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 battles with them. But and then yeah, then Kroger, uh, I said Kroger, uh, Kentucky, Florida, and Tennessee to close the season. Like, yeah, you're losing all three of those. Vanderbilt, it's over under two wins. Under. Over under one and a half. I only am penciling in Elon as a win here. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna go under. over because Hawaii's in bad shape right now too. I don't know, but they gotta it's a, they gotta go a long way for that one. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of with you there. I um I, I feel like ever since that guy, that defensive lineman talked shit the week before they played Alabama, 
Yeah, like they started like three and zero. Bama, you're next. Whatever. We're gonna show them how we ball at Vanderbilt. I did they like put the, that game on CBS? I think it was, and it was like I think it was legit, like seventy to zero. Like it was, <laughs> it, it was awful. Let me think. I think was that twenty seventeen. I just remember they put that on CBS. I remember that being, and I remember complaining at the time where it was just, what are we doing? Why, why are we doing this? Just because they were talking before this week. Why is this game on CBS? 59 to zero at Vanderbilt. That's probably why it was. uh, I remember the crowd shots of it just being an empty stadium by like the second quarter. Yeah. Typical Vanderbilt game. But I just look at it as like, there's no path. And that's why I was like, the Clark Lee stuff is not going to work like you can only lose so much like he's in a Hugh Jackson role where it's like this man's going to have a three and 43 record over three to four years and it, I, I just I would not but at least huge but Hugh Jackson's had this rabid fan base that was just yeah. desperately wanting to win is that what Vanderbilt is or are they like oh you know it's been five years uh that like like how you have a job like a performance review at the end of every yeah. year I feel like Vanderbilt's evaluating their coaches like every five years. They're like, oh, wow, we still have a football team. Hey, you guys win some games. Oh, wow. It doesn't look good. Well, I guess we'll go another direction. Like, yeah, like there's no I don't know what you're supposed to do. James. Franklin oh, I know. You, you hire uh, Jeff Monken. Like, that's what you should have done. They like the fact that they're not running the triple option or hired June Jones to run the air raid. Like, that's the only way they're winning football games is that like Mississippi State just figured this out where they were like. Derek Mason was trying to like win in the trenches. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Clark Lee's trying to do though. He's like, we're going to develop these guys to be able to withstand the Georgias of the world. And it's like, all right, good luck. I'm sure the bad, like the two to three stars that you develop and you will develop some of them. Like he was an expert defensive coordinator at uh, Notre Dame. And I don't question his football mind, but I do question that strategy of uh, adding to any wins. Like, yeah, you'll develop them better, but like, the wins aren't coming and that is ultimately what matters is winning football games and being in them. And this offense is not even close. They need to take a lesson from Kentucky. Yeah. Kentucky was an irrelevant football program forever, or at least since bear Bryant left them. Mm. And like that whole air raid thing got them on the map. Mm. So it's like, we were at least doing something different now with, with, uh, Jerry Lorenzen and all the Tim couch and all those guys, we're at least doing something different. They still weren't winning a lot of games then, but it was like, there's a reason to want to play at Kentucky. Like, so maybe that's the first step, you know, put in something, maybe it's gimmicky, but it kind of puts you on the map and then you can hire Mark Stoops that wants to build a solid program, but you can't just, you got to figure out a way to get talent before you can try to you know, just win old fashioned football like Derek Mason was trying to do. Yeah. I just, sure. and Vanderbilt, like, what are we doing with Vanderbilt? Like, <laughs> I feel like they need like an ultimatum in the SEC. Like, the you need to have 60,000, you need to have 60, 70,000 seat stadium in the next 10 years or like you're out of the conference. <laughs> like, there's just no, it doesn't even look like an SEC game. Well, we have, an, we have an alternative. Tech used to be an SEC school. I would gladly put Tech or Florida State back in here and demote them it's a relegation thing you go to the acc after a certain point like i would be okay with that relegation <laughs> for florida state or tech yeah i would definitely tech doesn't deserve it either though so florida I don't state know. would be interesting florida state would be they already it kind of ruins that whole sec acc right well i would get it would add vanderbilt tennessee in there they could join the sec acc uh state rivalry club but um but yeah they they got to do something because it's just they 
yeah, they're good at other sports. Like I'll give them that, but they run S- baseball. Yeah, for sure. So SEC is just, it's about football first and foremost. And I feel like just not even being like, you know, Ole Miss has never been to the SEC championship. You know, it's not like you have to win a certain amount to, to be in I the conference, but they've never been in the SEC championship game. That's wild. Um, Mississippi State has. Uh, yeah. Arkansas has made it. Um, a few Are they times. the only team outside of Vanderbilt? I think Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and... Kentucky never even got it with Cal. Oh, A&M, too. I guess um, A&M, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's it. Because everyone from the everyone yeah. else from the East has been... South Carolina only went the one time. Yeah. I think Mississippi State only went the one time. I think when I think that was the year Tennessee won the national championship. That was a Matt White year, friend of the pod. There you go. So I think Fred Smoot. I was a big Fred Smoot fan back in the yeah. day for whatever reason. I was always a fan of corners. Those were always my favorite players growing up. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah. So it's not like you have to win a certain amount. It's like, but Vanderbilt's not even trying. Like Arkansas, Mississippi State don't have the biggest stadiums, but they pack those things out. Like they, yeah. it there's a there's an atmosphere there. Like Vanderbilt, the way to get the atmosphere is like you said, you start with something gimmicky, like you do a gimmick and you hire a gimmicky coach and you get people in the building because you're like, oh, no one wants to play Vanderbilt this year because Vanderbilt just they don't punt or something. They yeah, that's honestly that would be a good one. That whoever who where is that guy? Presbyterian. I think he just got fired. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Maybe, he didn't maybe he's it didn't go well. It didn't go well. <laughs> Fair enough. But that's the kind of thing you should. You got to go outside the box, man. Like not going with the draft and develop stuff like we're going to get the one stars and fix stuff it's like good luck man that you're not winning football games in the sec that way it's just not happening the wins yeah, are imagine coming. a school like that's an academic place like vanderbilt it's probably not as easy to transfer in and utilize yeah. the portal as as it does uh, that's an assumption i'm making yeah but uh, yeah they just they don't have a lot going for them when it comes to football no and they're uh, in a, a one of, one of the coolest cities in the entire SEC. I mean, you could argue the best city in terms of just actual like cities, not college towns. But like Nashville is a huge city and it's like that getting permeate. bigger and bigger. You look at but, it, the best recruiting spots, that's not really a thing. It doesn't like Athens and College Station and Tuscaloosa are not exactly uh, hot spots for uh, young kids. They're they're not dying to go see the scenery over there. Nothing against them, but I don't think uh, by and large that that ultimately matters in recruiting. You're saying what Nashville? I don't think kids care that much about the city situation for colleges. I don't think like Georgia tech would be cleaning up in Atlanta. I don't think that's a thing. I don't think people really generally care. That could be true. I think they ultimately care about staying close to home. Generally speaking, it's a, there's a reason that most kids end up close to where they, where they grew up. Um, and I think there is something to be said about doing the college atmosphere and like they got the city dreams eventually, uh, in the pros. I, I don't think that's a, that's a big thing. Generally speaking, unless it's like a unique situation like USC, uh, in Southern California, um, Matt green next week, Mizzou, we'll do a state of the program for, uh, Mizzou full perspective on the Missouri tigers and, uh, get a read on them with where Eli Drinkwitz is taking that program. And I'm sure all kinds of other portal stuff and head coach firings and addings. And maybe Auburn will have an offensive coordinator by that point. Um, either way, we can follow you on Twitter at Matt underscore W underscore green. 
uh, go subscribe to the YouTube. Yeah, every episode on this very podcast is now going uh, live on YouTube. So YouTube, Chase Thomas Podcast. Subscribe if you've not already done so. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, excited to keep doing this. I got a lot of other graphics and all kinds of other stuff coming uh, to this feed. So excited to keep working on it and do that uh, in 2022. All types of college football content coming your way week by week on this very podcast. Matt, anything else as we wrap up here today? That's all I got, sir. Looking forward to it uh, to it next week. I'm sure uh, we might be talking about two offensive coordinators Auburn has hired and, and fired since since this podcast. And then another made up role for the University of Georgia. Just some uh, like Heinz Ward got the senior to the offensive analyst. Hey, Georgia's analyst becoming ball. the Duke of college football, man. The, yeah. whole, the whole coaching staff is going to be UGA alumni uh, before, before not. For not too long. Yeah, you, saw, you saw Brian McClendon. Brian yeah. McClendon was added to the staff. So, yeah, getting the gang back together. Hey, Musa Smith. A lot of respect for Musa Smith. Didn't he sound just like wasn't. He wasn't podcast. one of the. He's not going to be one of the guys you talk about when you're when you're highlighting running back. You, you know, I, he I, was I could poor man Jamal Lewis for you guys. I could name more if 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 the listeners wanted more, but no, he was he okay. was definitely solid. I think he was what like a second third round pick. I think by Baltimore. But um, oh, that's funny. I didn't realize Musa and Jamal Lewis both were drafted. They, honestly, Baltimore. they were probably on the same team at the same time. For he was huh. in the league for like maybe a year or two, like not not long at all. That's but uh, but no, Sean was like the true like exciting. Like he was like one of the first players when I was like a big Georgia fan that like fans of other teams were like, "Who the hell is this guy? <laughs> like this guy is tight." And I was like, "Yeah, he he is tight." No Sean, no Sean was a was an yeah. exciting player. Matt Green, always a pleasure. I will talk to you next week. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.